everyone. Welcome to Zon in Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. Uh, I've got two guests on the show with me this time around. We have a frequent contributor and friend of the show uh, who's been on a couple times now, uh, Ian Whitcomb. Hello. And someone else who's been on the show in the past is storyboarder for uh, a number of animated television shows based in L.A., uh, Corey Barnes. Hey, everyone. So this is uh, one of the anime season overview episodes that uh, we've been doing lately where, hey, to say, you know, have a couple guests on and we come on and, and talk about uh, the new shows that have been airing this season. Before we start, I mean, what, uh, anything you guys have been up to lately? Well, uh, work has kept me busy. Very, 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 very busy. Uh, to the point where I've only, uh, in terms of anime, I'm really only watching two shows at the moment. Um, I don't really watch a lot of stuff seasonally. Uh, I usually just I follow some critics online and then play catch up later. Like that's what that's how I watch like Shirabako and Death Parade and stuff because everyone couldn't stop clamoring about it. Um, but yeah, right now I'm currently on Family Guy, just uh, cleaning up storyboards and the you know the show will never end. Yeah, I, I could I could be on that show forever if I if I so chose to. I'd say it's one of the most secure gigs in town. Yeah, I don't usually watch much um, every anime season either, but sometimes I'll just get into the hype and maybe check out one or two shows during the first couple of weeks, and then if I have time later in the season, I'll watch. I'll maybe go back and watch an entire show. Yeah, I doing these sort of season overview episodes has provoked me to watch quite a few more shows at the beginning of each season than I usually do. Um, and, you know, watching the first one or two episodes of a lot of shows is usually enough because I find, you know, you, you can't always judge a show by how it starts, but I'm finding more and more that you can definitely map out the trajectory of where a show is going based on what you see in the first first episode or two. This time around, I do, I you know, I don't usually have a Funimation account, but I did uh, grab their new app, and I've been, been trying that out. I did, the, the only reason I actually downloaded it was because uh, at SoccerCon, which uh, I went to last month, it was a lot of fun, but, you know, more or less the same thing as usual, uh, Funimation decided to have this kind of packed-style party they rented out a gay bar uh, in downtown seattle kind of invited people to come and if you had a funimation now account uh you got a little swag bag and two drink tickets and i didn't really want their app but i got it anyway because i figured it would be worthwhile maybe just have one month of access to their content and then i get two free drinks and a bag of of stuff and it wasn't good stuff there were like like smutty ads for cat planet cuties and uh <laughs> like a bookmark with fairy tale release dates from 2014 were the drinks good though? Yeah, they were pretty good. Okay. Uh, they had a they had a special menu, but I, uh, I I had a good time. It was a good party actually. They I was I went in with low expectations. Uh, I think they pulled it off pretty well. I hope they do it again. Uh, I, I like to see more stuff like that. It's like we're we're in such we're in this like big bubble right now, and the companies are making so much money from their streaming apps. I don't I don't mind seeing those big elaborate displays of hubris. I, I'd like to see more. I think it was it was it was pretty good. But I tried the app out. Um, it is. I guess better than their old app. <laughs> it it does Chromecast. It doesn't do it well, but it does Chromecast. So that kind of fits what I need a lot of the time. I, I'd say it's a good year away from being where it, it actually needs to be. I'm not going to be renewing my my uh, account on that. I think I, I think it's going to be a I'll buy a month whenever I get some kind of promo or special deal with it kind of thing. Go, going back, I uh, I've been about halfway through Maria the Virgin Witch right now. Very good show. Uh, I was I was surprised. It uh, it's a it's a pretty solid production. You know, it has a really good good look to it. Strong story and well realized setting. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to finishing that up. 
didn't do very well in Japan, I heard. Uh, apparently not. I'm still yeah. hoping that, that Funimation might give it a physical release, because I'll probably pick it up. But I don't know if they're they're still dragging their feet. And it, it has a dub, but, I mean, I guess that's not a guarantee that they're going to give something a physical release. Oh, that's interesting. No. I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. Uh, I think... Yeah, they, that, they've been broadcast dubbing a, a lot a lot more last year. It feels like they, they've uh, shrunk down the number of uh, broadcast dubs they've been doing to, like, I don't know, like six? Yeah, the season, I, the season that Maria the Virgin Witch is from... They did, I think they did, like, eight mm-hmm. that time. Yeah, when they did ten. Like, they, there were some seasons in, like, 2015 where they did a lot of yeah. them. Yeah, they, they really they really went overboard. But then again, <laughs> I mean, just today, they announced a whole bunch of home home video releases for titles that are sub-only, like Yatterman Nights, which I did not expect to get a, a release like that at all. Uh, so before we move on to the overview, uh, just a quick recap of a little bit of news on the theatrical stuff i got my crowbar out and managed to get a little bit of information on mongrel media's release of boy and the beast um it is going to be released theatrically and on itunes and on demand on may 27th um they posted a trailer that was temporarily taken down due to a very strange copyright claim on youtube but it's back up now uh and you can see it the trailer is subbed only which I guess means that some of these screenings might be subbed. Uh, we don't really know what's going on with the dub. I'm assuming that it's going to be somewhere in their release. Based on everything that they've announced for it so far, though, they're really emphasizing the fact that it's going to be simultaneous theatrical release and VOD, uh, which is really making me think that they're approaching this as a kind of straight-to-VOD kind of deal with maybe a couple theatrical screenings on the side just so they can say that they released it theatrically. I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's sort of the impression I've been getting based on the information I've gotten so far. Any thoughts on that, Ian? (laughs) Okay, I guess I'm not surprised that there would be, eventually this would happen. I think the fact that a lot of anime movies premiere in Canadian film festivals mean that Canadian distributors could have snatched up the rights and... TIFF, specifically. Yeah, Yeah, and like Metropolis back in 2000 one or two premiered at the Montreal Film Festival. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's... These these movies at these festivals are not a new thing, so I'm actually not... I'm actually surprised this hasn't happened before. I know that Gaumont is, is involved with Boy, uh, Boy and the Beast. It, it's starting to seem like, for whatever reason... The impression I'm getting is that, for whatever reason, they wanted the Canadian distribution to be done by a different company than Funimation, mm-hmm. and kind of dropped it on Mongrel at the last minute. Which would explain why they're kind of not why they're not releasing any details or everything seems kind of rushed and last minute uh, with the way they're handling it. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird situation for sure. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. So does Galmont have like a, a Canadian branch? How's that work? Because I know they're a French based company and they think, ha- they have a division in, here in L.A. They pr- they've produced a handful of TV shows. I don't think they have a Canadian branch. Do you know, Ian? Uh-huh. Not sure, but. Um... Hannibal was produced by Gaumont, and yep. they shot it in Canada, so I yeah. don't know. So it was the old Highlander series. Yeah. <laughs> Funimation has also been revealing their, their plans to, re- to release the, the Project Ito uh, series of movies. Uh, the first one, Empire of Corpses, I think is screening in the States this weekend. Uh, and they also just unveiled the trailer for the, other, the second part, Harmony, today. And interestingly, the Harmony trailer is not viewable in Canada. 
which is really weird because I like I'm assuming that the license for those movies are all tied together and for one to be viewable in Canada but not the other doesn't really make any sense and they do not have any plans for Canadian releases of those films so far. I looked up the showtimes here and they're they're it's playing here on Tuesday and Wednesday. It's only playing at three theaters, one time per each. It's the same theaters that actually played uh same theater chain that played the room. Oh is yeah. known for for being the, the month having the monthly screenings of the room. That but that only right. happens at one theater, right? Or is that Yeah, a, a... And, and that and that doesn't happen anymore. But it's the same oh, they, chain. They, they stop them? I don't think that theater exists anymore. Oh, that's too bad. Uh yeah, I'll 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 check out that sun. Yeah, the Sunset Five. I just assume that monthly room screenings in L.A. were just you know a forever thing. They'd never. Oh, they, they were. They were a forever thing. <laughs> I, I don't know. If they still do it. I'll, I'll have to look it up some other time. Weird. All right, so I guess we'll move on to uh, the stuff we've been watching. Overall, I, I've sampled quite a few shows this season, and uh, Corey and Ian have, have checked out a few as well. I, I'd say there's a lot of variety. And a few of the, the shows have some potential. Overall, nothing has really grabbed me. There is one particular show this season, however, that uh, stands out for a few pretty negative reasons. And I, I feel that I am, for better or worse, kind of obligated to talk about it on this podcast. It's called Super Lovers. This, uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say ReZero. Uh, you know what? I didn't, I didn't check that one out. Uh-uh. Uh, if, if you haven't heard about Super Lovers, it is a it's a straight up BL Yaoi series, uh, and the first episode of that show is notable because it is very prominently set in Alberta, Canada. If you, if you haven't seen anything about the show, uh, the promotional image for it came out a, a, a couple of months ago. It features a man who is very clearly, you know, older in his twenties. Uh, sitting provocatively with a young boy who is very clearly not in his 20s, uh, <laughs> or his teens for that matter, uh, with the title Super Lovers prominently stamped over them. And the, the, the overall premise of the show is definitely super sketchy. Uh, it involves, you know, the, the older protagonist traveling to Japan to visit his adoptive family in Alberta, um, where he finds that they have taken in a uh, a new young boy uh, whom they found living with wolves in the wild. The the older character, it is implied, is slowly becoming enraptured with uh, this this young boy. So we also have, of course, an element of incest, although it's only pseudo incest. I guess that's that's where they wanted to draw the line. Um, I I don't suppose you guys checked out Super Lovers at all. Nope, <laughs> no. I, I'm I, I'm not really interested. Uh, sorry, I'll just I'll just read what the uh, anime review critics are are uh, saying week to week. You know, you know what? You probably are better off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because when you when you read the reviews, they'll they'll talk about certain things that happen in the show. Like he he goes in and uh, the the older character gives the the younger character this full mouth kiss near the end, and then tells him that this is or says isn't this what what families do to each other in this country? What what's funny is the reviewers make it sound. Like, it's played out in a really blatantly provocative way, but it's actually played for laughs, which I, I found really surprising. The, the the whole thing, even though we're seeing a depiction of what is essentially, you know, a an adult grooming a child uh, for sexual purposes, it all, honestly kind of feels like the people who made the show and possibly the original comic it's based on are oblivious to what is happening with these characters or what is essentially happening between these characters, which is... is I, I don't think that's even possible. 
but there's a, there's definitely a sort of disconnect between what's actually happening and the way it's executed. And there's a definitely a real irony to the fact that the, that uh, part of the show is being set in Canada, uh, because Canada f- has sort of developed this weird reputation, especially in anime communities, for having really overreaching, onerous laws when it comes to child pornography. Um, which I don't think is something you should make fun of a country for. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> how dare they? How dare they? Yeah. I, I, for the record, I think that the law in Canada is just fine. Re- recently, uh, Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans uh, got actually got quite a bit of coverage in some mainstream news news sites in Canada for uh, the way it showcased Edmonton uh, in the later part of the storyline for uh, for the first half of that. Um, I, you know, honestly, I can't help but be a little afraid of of what would happen if if Super Lovers garnered that much of attention. Uh, <laughs> doesn't seem likely, but it's about it's about as likely. As it is being dubbed in Canada. <laughs> yeah, it could be a new project for Blue Water. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I don't know, it's just hard to say what people would make of this show. I mean, it's it's not pornographic, but, you know, it does, I, I from what I've read, it does lead up to some questionable sexual content later, even though when the younger character ages up to that ambiguously acceptable teenage sort of age. Well, at least the show's upfront about it, unlike the manga for Bunny Drop. <laughs> yeah which was a huge bait and switch yeah um i, I would think in both both cases again it, th- there's this sort of disconnect between th- the actual conscious awareness of what grooming a child entails and what you're doing to sort of cater to your audience because the show is meant for teenage girls you know the, the the character types and the relationships they have like with all, most bl stuff it's this weird combination of you know idealization and self-insertion that's kind of complicated to explain if you're not familiar with with the whole genre self-insertion in the character term yeah, yeah. Just so we're clear. yeah. <laughs> yeah self-insertion when it comes to relating to the characters in the literary yes yeah. <laughs> by the way to uh, a- uh answer my question from earlier oh, yeah. the room monthly screenings have been moved to the regent in uh, westwood oh, okay so they're still going <laughs> yeah they're still going they're just a little farther away well that's Definitely a reassuring thing to know in this uncertain <laughs> world. Monthly room screenings continue. Yep. Well, then maybe in terms of segueing we can, from Iron Blooded Orphans and shows where there's a disconnect between what exactly they're going for, maybe we should talk about Lost Village. Oh, God. Uh, you mean assholes on a bus? At least that's what I call it. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> This is as close as it gets to a Ryan Murphy anime, basically. Mari Okada, this is the, this is my first experience with her writing. It's not, I don't think it's any of our first experiences with um, Tsutomu Mizushima's directing, because we've all seen and enjoyed Shirobako. Mm-hmm. And definitely a case of some rather obnoxious writerly tics being propped up by um, a director who is much more talented than what's needed for this material it's, it's interesting think... that he's going for that they're going for the the ensemble cast thing again to a much less successful extent this time around that opening the opening three minutes are if you hate it or not it's just just priceless yeah. i mean you have an open mic where all 30 characters are introducing themselves and with such wonderful names as soy latte <laughs> <Kyokesu no, laughs> Oh, Judgeness, Yura Mikage, Koharun, Love Pawn, and, um, oh, I guess my favorite is just Lion. I guess it's really rare to see an anime that just leaves you at a loss for words. If the show keeps going as it is, 
then I can see it just erupting in Twitter, <laughs> just like just like American Horror Story did in the U.S. It could, this could get so crazy so fast. It could be one of the most talked about anime of the decade. I'm concerned though that eventually it will start going into backstory and lore and angst and attempts at pathos and it'll just turn into an annoying mess and some might think it's already there but i don't know there's something oddly disturbingly appealing about this show i i was compelled to check out the second episode i i will admit that much i i have to say though i think that the most interesting thing that could possibly happen in this show is that nobody is murdered and everything is a-okay in the village maybe i'm just not not sold on its excessive foreboding now that you guys have talked about it, I might uh, at least check out the first episode. Oh yeah, who's, yeah. <laughs> who, who's the uh, who's the provider here? That one's on Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't have a sub, so I'm gonna have to wait a couple weeks. But uh, you can watch the first cool. episode for free. Oh, nice, great. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the third episode of this has been delayed due to the uh, the coverage of the earthquake as well. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, happening to a lot of shows yeah. right now. Everyone's worried that because of these delays, because they're being delayed on TV too, that it's gonna like it, it, we're gonna see a bunch of uh, like what happened to Blood Blockade Battlefront with a bunch of seasons getting cut off. That was a scheduling conflict. Oh, okay. That show, or I, th- I think it was anyway. They wa- like, they somehow they wound up scheduling the first episode of Durarara the same day that Blood Blockade was supposed to end, and then. It just the show just it just fell on the wayside for many months. Many months. It's it's sad that people have sort of forgotten about that show. It's really good, and I still I still hope it hits tsunami in the states. But yeah, that show just kind of came and went. Like people really really raved about it, and then it you know it, as is the anime fan base, it's just discuss it, be satisfied, and move on to the next. Like locusts. <laughs> Though the ending <laughs> the ending was pretty well received months after it aired. Mm, that's good. I heard sales were good, and I hope it might get a second season. But there's been been nothing on that. Yeah. Well, you know, you know how second seasons can be. They can announce them just like three months before they even begin to air. Mm-hmm. So, Corey, you watched mm-hmm. Cabinary of the Iron Fortress? Yes. Uh, good, because watched... you're the only one here who can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, have have uh, you even brought that up since the last the last podcast? Yeah. Have you? We we talked about it a bit in the last episode, okay. but uh, now that it's aired, I think we're sort of getting a feel of the fallback. Uh, I I will say that apparently, if you use a VPN and have a Amazon subscription, apparently it will work. But of course, it's you know this supposedly global release that's in directly available in only four countries right now. Is it four and, or five? Uh, four, maybe five. I don't know. Uh, not, I think it's five. De- de- definitely not most of the countries in the world. Yeah, I, I hear a uh, a majority, if you will, cannot uh, yeah. cannot watch it. But no, they're real in the U.S., Japan, Germany, and I forget the rest. Oh, the U.K. and um, I I think there's one more. Austria, but, uh, I believe. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so five. But uh, yeah, I I watched the first episode. That's another show that's uh, the second episode was supposed to come out uh, either today or yesterday, and it's also been delayed due to the earthquake. But uh, just to keep in mind that. While Amazon exclusive series do go to show me eventually or or the super channel, um, <laughs> this is not being advertised as an Amazon exclusive series. So no. for those thinking that it might be on show me, you might you might not see it there. 
Yeah, Amazon isn't like Netflix where they'll they'll classify all uh, exclusive licenses as an original series. Like the, when Amazon says Amazon original series, they mean they commissioned and helped produce or finance the show for them. I was surprised that even Better Call Saul was had the Netflix logo on it when I went to watch the episode. What really? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Netflix has uh, like exclusive, much like Gotham. They have uh, exclusive uh, rights in a giant portion of the world. Well, it's it's funny because we criticize. There's been so much criticism, and this criticism's been building up as they get more anime shows. How Netflix's like imposed binge model uh, release format really kind of mm-hmm. uh, ruins the momentum of anime, where you know the the audience very much prefers to discuss the shows as it as it airs weekly which has right. been the part of the huge part of the success of uh, of, of simulcasting over the past few years mm-hmm. but man like when you look at things in a broader perspective p- people really do flock to things that are labeled the netflix original i i can't deny that even though they you know they didn't lift a finger with seven deadly sins or, or ajin which just was uploaded onto netflix a few days ago already dubbed in yep. five languages i mean I, I don't like it myself and i'm sure that everyone in the uh, in the bubble of the anime community is probably going to keep complaining about that more and more. But when I guess when you look at the broader general audience, I mean, there, there's probably more casual viewers to catch out there and the millions of people who have Netflix subscriptions than, say, the 750,000 who have paid Crunchyroll subscriptions, for instance. I think people are just uh, annoyed because simulcasting is something Netflix does uh, do uh, in non-US countries like in a lot of the world including Japan. Hmm? They are simulcasting uh that that new show they got Kuro Mukuro yes. which uh, incidentally almost nobody is talking about because it's not being simulcast right now. They are simulcasting it in Japan but with a 4-day delay which seems really weird to me because that means there's essentially no benefit to watching it on Netflix in Japan because well okay okay if you're if you don't know how it works in Japan Almost all anime is broadcast, like, over the air for free. Um, It doesn't always reach every channel in some of the less populous areas or the rural areas, but if you live in the more populous areas, I mean, it is over the air for free. If you set up a PVR, you're basically set. And, like, people don't even usually have cable. Cable is for rich people, not because it's expensive, but because it's, like, an excessive thing. Like, those ten over-the-air channels you can get in most areas of the country are so established and so reliable even if you have to like pvr stuff that's on at 1 30 in the morning there, there's just no reason to pay for anything else which is a big reason why companies like netflix have a hard time getting off the ground there because they're essentially asking people to pay for on-demand content which they can already get or most people in japan can already get for free if they have a pvr or some kind of device that can catch things over the air so like i, I was so surprised when i read that, that show was streaming with a four-day delay because there's that like there's no incentive there. You, you look at Kabaneri on Amazon in Japan, they're actually streaming them a day before the broadcast. Like, that I see. You can see the benefit there. But, I don't know, Netflix is a little misguided in that sense, at least as far as the way they approach the Japanese market. Yeah, paying for uh, television is something that's very, uh, that's very U.S. and Canada. Like, cable has always been, like, uh, pretty successful here. But uh, not in most of the world. Yeah. In most of the world, the the big TV shows that come out of the out of those countries are usually the stuff on the free networks. And well, you could argue that that is also true to an extent here. Not like it was in 1990. Like all the shows people talk about that 
are on traditional television here are usually on basic cable or premium cable like Game of Thrones or uh, just recently People vs. O.J. Simpson on FX. Like Fox, Fox has Empire, but uh, not much else coming out of uh, – Good old fashioned over the air network television, and and when most of these, when most of our big cable shows go overseas to be aired, they air on the free networks because that's what people watch, and they want the the big hits from the U.S. It depends on the country, like in a lot of places, yeah, like it's like all of the local content will be in the in the terrestrial stations, and then all the foreign content is like over cable or, or satellite or whatever or whatever subscription service you'd get there. But it varies a lot. The point is everything is broken here. That's why <laughs> streaming services thrive because they can disrupt. They can't disrupt everywhere, which is why their penetration's not been as good in, in like Asia and some parts of Europe. How how is Cabinari itself? I've been I've been hearing oh. good things. Oh yeah, what, what, yeah we, what was we, I talking we were about talking about oh, yeah. the show. <laughs> <laughs> um no it's um so all the uh, all the jokes calling it attack on trains are accurate it, it is basically it, it's a tetsuro araki conceived series with all his favorite concepts all nicely mashed together like all all the stuff he loves about attack on titan plus all the stuff he loves about high school of the dead plus all the stuff he loves about guilty crown and a little bit of death note and just smashed together into this steampunk zombie walled city horror show where this one character has to choke himself so that he can uh, rid himself of the uh, the zombie virus that's infecting people. People in the show have the, the Kabane are like the, the zombies. They bite people and then they be, they turn into them and then they, the only way to cure it is to, to murder them. So, um, but it, it is a big expensive spectacle with a variety of Main characters that all look like they belong in separate shows, especially um, the the main female character Ayame, I think her name is, but uh, she doesn't look like she belongs in the show, or nor nor does Mume. Like the the main character looks like he's a little bit from Attack on Titan. Like it's it's very it's got that very sort of dark green and brown color scheme that Attack on Titan has. It's a big, expensive, stupid mess of a show that uh, is only, uh, I think, it's only one core. So it, it does kind of feel like it's, uh, like, if you're impatient for Attack on Titan, well, watch this and maybe it'll uh, quench some of those thirsts. Oh yeah, and trains. Lots and lots of trains. If Ayn Rand were still here, she'd probably love this anime. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing, though. It sounds It sounds like a lot of fun. Well, I hope someone picks it up. I hope so. My my money is still on Show Me, but they still haven't touched any anime that's not Pokemon or Paprika as a random Sony back catalog title. So we'll see what happens with that, I guess. I do like how Amazon Prime's like now streaming globally, like globally. That sure. Well, you know what really sucks about that is that even the even news sites like Anime News Network were essentially repeating their PR and saying it was streaming globally, which which kind of hurts because it means especially people in the U.S. are probably reading that and assuming that it is global and just being completely unaware and instead complaining about the fact that they have to pay for so many services to get everything. Right. Which uh, I found to be the issue that was dominating a lot of discussion about about Amazon shelling out so much money for this show. I I wish people could get their priorities straight and what to complain about, but it's 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 not easy. Yeah, the fact that we're even complaining at all shows how spoiled we are. We just have all these shows at, at our fingertips for, for legally, a lot of them for free, and it's still not good enough. Yeah, 
Still go to Kiss Anime. <laughs> so I uh, of the shows I checked out, I think the one I like the most uh, was probably Flying Witch. I don't know if you guys got a chance to, to check that one, that particular show out. It's one of those quiet, sleepy town shows where not a lot happens, and it's kind of, and it's just really warm and charming and funny. I usually don't go for shows like that, but I I found this one to be to to, to be pretty good. It has. You know, the, the characters are have just enough depth and appeal to them that they don't seem completely boring. You know, there's not necessarily conflict that goes on, but they do interesting things. Or The, the premise is that, you know, kind of like Kiki's Delivery Service, uh, a, a witch kind of moves into a town and stays with some, some family members uh, while she gets sort of adjusted and they have a, a young daughter and and they have a you know a, a sweet little little friendship that's sort of that's sort of blossoming i really liked it like i said it's not those things aren't usually my cup of tea but i i found it was really uh really enjoyable uh, it doesn't surprise you with jokes about teenagers having sex with bears uh <laughs> <laughs> and on that note i did watch kuma miko uh, girl meets bear as well which i i did like it was it was pretty funny i think the i i don't think the the off-color humor that they sort of throw at you at the second half of the episode worked that well but the bear is really cute so and i like bears so maybe maybe i'll watch more of that i think i just watched we bear bears for it, um, it is kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like an anime we bear bears but you know with with crude sex jokes about about sex with animals but uh hey that's no, no dimitri martin yeah, but hey, you know, Super Lover has brought the, the bar down so low this season, I can't really criticize it that much. Yeah, I've been watching uh, My Hero Academia as it airs. Um, I, I don't know how that'll... I never, I'm not familiar with the source material, so I don't know how it turns out, but I, I'm committed to watch it the whole way. Um, it's uh, A lot of people thought that that show was going to be either multi-core show or even possibly another long runner, and uh, we come to find out that it's only uh, 13 episodes. Just At like least, One Punch Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what's yeah. interesting with My Hero Academia is that I, I think it's one of the first weekly Shonen Jump shows, especially like a Shonen Action show, that rather than having a continuous time slot, it's it's only being doled out thirteen, ep- presumably thirteen episodes at a time. I'm, I guess I'm just assuming that's going to be successful enough to get subsequent seasons, uh, and in a prime time slot as well. Um, it, it's it'll be interesting to see if that if that pans out and it changes anything with the future future titles like that 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 come out and we finally move away from the you know naruto and one piece endless filler uh perpetually running model that we're we've been so used to up to this point um yeah i i I would take the i'd take the uh 2011 hunter hunter model even like just wait forever and then do the do the whole thing up to what's been finished (laughs) yeah exactly then just cut it off and uh wait for enough material in the meantime, show other stuff. There's, you know, so many of the show, like the Shonen Jump action shows are so similar. Uh, like, why not just rotate them? <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just, like, show, focus on one for one core, then switch over to another one, and then you can you can keep the, the, the balance. I mean, I, I mean with, with there's so many, when the time slots are so limited now, I mean, surely a deal like this must be possible. That's yeah, how... and that's over there. That's what those production committees and all these shonen titles are made by different studios. Like My Hero Academia is made by Bones. Uh, they uh, have they done a Shonen Jump weekly Shonen Jump series before? Not a long running one. Yeah, I I checked out the first two My Hero Academia. Uh, you know, nice production value. Uh, I yep. was I was compelled to to watch the second episode. I mean, it's got it's it's got it's got enough heart and enough depth to sort of pull through, but. Again, it didn't it didn't really grab me that much. I I will admit I'm 
really picky when it comes to any of this superhero deconstruction stuff, uh, whether it's Western or or Eastern. Even even with Samurai Flamenco, which I have to say was phenomenal in the end, uh, especially in hindsight. But uh, I mean, I had to push myself through that for over a year and a half. It I, I just wasn't feeling it enough, uh, even if if I loved it in hindsight. Uh, and you know, especially coming off the heels of One Punch Man, which I I think out of all those types of shows, kind of does the the wacky superhero deconstruction the best. Um, I mean, I guess My Hero Academia feels a little a, li- a little light. They're I mean they're different. Uh, I mean, One Punch Man is a seinen, so it right. It's able to to it's from Young Jump, so it's able, it's it's able to dwell in things like bureaucracy. Yeah, the the main character of My Hero Academia feels like he's out of a card battler anime. Like More his design, yeah, his design is is so, di- especially his hair hair color is so different from the rest of the the rest of the cast of that show to me. I uh, didn't get a chance to check that one out. Did you, Ian? My Hero Academia. Yeah. No. Yeah. I checked out Joker game. Yeah, I I've been meaning to check that out. I haven't had a chance yet. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that one. It's production IG. So, very moody, very talky, uh, compelling, compelling first episodes, which uh, production IG shows usually have. So, it's about Japanese spies, and it's set in 1938. So, right there, you have a big question mark slash exclamation point about just how political this is going to be. Is this going to be problematic content? Setting it, it setting it at that time period is almost, yeah. especially with spies, it's like guaranteed. Even if you don't mention anything explicitly political, you're making it political by not mentioning anything. Yeah. So the first episode establishes a conflict already between the protagonist and the rest of the spies. Uh, the The protagonist is very naive, very disciplined. He basically there's a scene there's a scene where he where he loses at poker with the other spies and it's sort of the um it sort of sets up the whole episode the other spies are very pragmatic they they're already planning for when for if and when japan loses the war and but and the protagonist is um so naive that he's shocked at the whole idea that japan could ever lose the war and in his point of view he believes that the only two ways for a if a spy is captured, is murder or suicide. And the other spies basically l- laugh at him and say that, that no, murder and suicide are the stupidest things you could do because the object is to stay alive, negotiate, and um, keep a low profile. So it's at, at that point you're kind of wondering, am I going to want to follow this protagonist through all these episodes? The protagonist seems like kind of, kind of a tool. It's mm-hmm. the other spies who are more interesting, more more modern, more um, more conniving, and uh, more pragmatic. And there could be a trap where you're trying, where this show wants you to sympathize with the protagonist, and um, the audience will uh, will follow the um, the antagonist. So they've set up a really tricky, a really tricky. Um, dichotomy there and i don't know if the show will be able to successfully pull it off and then there's ace attorney which has nothing on its plate except trying to be a, a verbatim a verbatim adaptation of uh the light of the uh material which is kind of which even then is pointless because the animation is so lousy 
So. Yeah, it looks like a, just a big "Who Gives a Shit" commercial. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's a primetime show, I believe, too, running at five thirty or something. It's been kind of. Yeah. I, I think it's lumped into that. Is is it playing with uh, with Detective Conan or something like that? I think. So. Yeah. I think so. I guess I'll I'll just stick to the the uh, the source material on that one. It, it's funny. I've noticed that people are posting a lot of a lot of very sketchy looking animation frames from that show, which I noticed happens a lot under this particular director. He's the same guy who did the Persona Four anime which i thought was pretty good oh persona 4 it looks better oh yeah yeah well I, yeah there's a tendency for the to be some to have some really wonky in between frames in shows he's he's directed uh including this and danganronpa I, you know i wouldn't call persona 4 badly animated but it's a it's a weird weird trend that's been in the shows i don't know but there's some pretty bad looking animation it's <laughs> dirty for sure i hope that uh, i hope twitter has fun with it at the very least I, I checked out the uh, the new adaptation of uh, Haven't You Heard I'm Sakamoto. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's directed by uh, Shinji Takamatsu, who also did Cute High Earth Defense Club Love and directed a good portion of Gundam Wing and was not credited for it for some reason. Over the last, like, especially last season when we had these really exceptionally good uh, shows in the short format, like Oji-san and Marshmallow and Seko Boys and... Uh, Please tell me Galco Chan, which may very well be three of the best, you know, five to seven minute anime shows ever made. I think that really highlights what the problem of doing something like Haven't You Heard I'm Sakamoto in a full 22 minute format is. Because even if you broke that show down, like as is, into five, into like seven minute chunks, I think it would work better. The nature of the show would change in a, in a shorter format, I think, would benefit it more. But for the most part, it's just like straight adaptation of the manga chapters slotted into back to back into it into a 22 minute slot so which takamatsu did with school rumble too yeah that uh, yeah true true he uh it's a very similar approach to that show actually uh there's also uh the two trigger shows uh kisniver it looks really good i i love the the character designs and uh and style on that uh i'm not really sold on the premise doesn't again it's not really grabbed me from the beginning might wind up going somewhere good um yeah, that's that's a bit of a wait and see, but I, I like I really love the the visual style. It's not crazy over the top like you people usually think of when they think of Trigger, but it's got a little bit of a little bit of edge to it. So we might see some some neat developments with that. Uh, the more notable one though is their new short anime, uh, Space Patrol Luluko. This one really grabbed me. It's really kinetic, really fun. Carl point we were I was watching it with Carl and he pointed out something to me that I that I can't stop seeing is that this show is like traditional frantic um imaishi style direction meets ren and stimpy john k style <laughs> direction there there are quite a few scenes where just the way it plays out it would just be perfectly punctuated with one of those like super detailed close-ups that uh that you see on on in uh oh, in right. scenes in ren and stimpy i don't I, I don't think that's what they were going for but i can definitely see that that uh, uh motif running through the show it's and it, it you know it makes it a lot of fun i i, re- I really like it highly recommended yeah i'll probably just watch the whole thing in one swoop when it's all done uh, uh you probably can do that yeah since it's a, a short series yeah and there yeah and the, right in the title it says uh the the episode title says season one episode one so maybe they've got some big future plans for that i won't say no to that oh and one more short one uh that i yeah, uh, you know, I didn't really like, honestly. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually watched it twice because Carl really wanted to watch it. He was really keen on it. It's called uh, Tonkatsu DJ uh, Egataro. 
Uh, it's a new short show directed by Akitaro Daichi, which uh, I actually learned afterwards after I watched it the first time, uh, which really surprised me because uh, he, you, you really you do not see his touch in this show at all. It's ad- it's adapting what seems to be a really unique sort of styled manga about a young man who works in his father's tonkatsu restaurant and he winds up going to this club and he sees a dj playing and he realizes that the art of being a dj has the exact same rhythms as making tonkatsu uh which does not make any sense at all but it makes him more determined to learn how to make tonkatsu properly so he can go and be a dj yeah now i'm tempted to ask some of my dj friends or just anyone there's a lot of djs here in los angeles and i'd love to see them uh make uh pork dishes based on their uh dj i you know what turning skills you know what it's i think i by summarizing the show i think i did a better job of convincing you that there's a possibility that could happen than the actual show does in its nine minute run (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah it's it's pretty stale i didn't like it maybe it'll pick up maybe maybe it'll maybe some more interesting things will happen moving forward but i i don't think i'm gonna follow it uh anything else so uh, who's gonna who's gonna stream uh, the new Fully Cooly seasons in Canada? Oh God! <laughs> I I don't. I'm sure somebody will, but yeah, that's a podcast for a year from now. Yeah, or, I, or more. Or a better question is: Should these even be happening? I don't think so. I don't. I don't think we need. I, I don't think we need more Fully Cooly. <laughs> we we really don't. But then again, I also I also thought that we didn't need more Arrested Development, and I am of the. Now, the opposite contrary opinion, I actually like season four of, of Arrested Development. Yes, lately, it feels every, every time I I hear, like, we don't need more of this or more of that, that a lot of a lot of the time they, they tend to be all right. Like, I, I've been li- especially in movies, I've been liking a lot of the reboots that have been coming out lately. Yeah. I, I'm I, I'm pumped about Samurai Jack. I mean, what? I don't think anybody. I, I don't think anybody ever expressed disappointment about the idea of continuing Samurai Jack. No, except for people who didn't like Samurai Jack in the first place. <laughs> so I, I, don't would... know, I don't know what kind of monster you are, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I will say that uh, you do have that Adult Swim app in Canada, and Turner here in the U.S. did announce that they're going to launch more than like maybe two uh, apps like that in the states this year. So that uh, that pay. Uh, pay-to-watch app might actually be coming down here this year. Really? Yeah, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if, there, if a Canadian launch was like a test for potential American launch as well. I wonder, if it'll, yeah. I wonder if it'll be as cheap down there, though. I hope it is. I hope <laughs> it's uh, the, the, the same. What is it? Three ninety five, three ninety nine. It's three ninety nine. dollars Yeah, I'd take that. I, I, I'd hope that there's a, a Cartoon Network one because the, the, unless you have cable, there is no way to watch any of the Cartoon Network premieres on the next day like as in like uh via streaming you can buy them on itunes and and stuff like that yeah there's but... there's no there's no streaming option for any cartoon network stuff in canada right now uh there's well even itunes i mean steven universe is bundled as um two episodes in one so we have to wait two weeks for steven universe yeah that, that yeah, they... pop on itunes at least it's there uh yeah <laughs> uh, adults it's actually just i think two weeks ago uh, Adult Swim's library finally hit iTunes Canada. They had there yeah. was nothing there at all until yeah. just a couple weeks ago. But the app is just such a better deal, and 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know some people like to, to, to do the DTO thing for, for Adult Swim content, but I mean, like, you, you download episodes of Rick and Morty on there, and they're still censored. I mean, just ooh, just buy the buy buy the buy the home video release makes more sense to me. Yeah, with with Cartoon Network stuff, I really don't know what's what's going to go on with that. It seems like they, uh, I mean, they launched an app. Of course, launched an app for uh, Nick uh, and Disney, uh, but Cartoon Network continues to be sort of the the uh, the ugly stepchild, almost literally because they inherited it from when they bought Teletoon from Astral. They need to figure out their the home video release strategy for Steven Universe. Oh my god, I know. Yeah, uh, I I guess I think it's literally they just haven't figured it out yet. But but clearly because it's pretty much a serialized show now, they have to release the episodes in order. Yeah. And... Yeah, I really hope that they don't wind up skipping out on on giving full season releases to that. I uh, I really want to have that. Really want to own that one. Either way, there's not going to be a problem with how many episodes are on the disc. Yeah. Are on the disc, like a full a, a release will still technically be a single, probably, but you can put a lot of content on on that. Yeah, it's just like volume one or volume two or something, as long as the episodes are in order. It's yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think uh, studios think as much about home video releases these days. Yeah, well, it's just it Warner's is so big, so you have Rick and Morty, which is handled by one home video par- part of warner's and i think her- steven universe is handled by someone else and then you have the dc cartoons going on the warner archive uh, on that note i actually confirmed uh, with someone at hmv a couple weeks ago that rick and morty is getting an actual non-imported canadian release for season one in may uh they're they're uh, warner's actually going to start properly distributing it here uh, which I hope will continue for other Adult Swim stuff, but I don't understand how that happened. <laughs> speaking of speaking of Warners, I love how um, I love how they decided that Iron Giant is basically the one of the last few movies they have that they can afford to spend the big money on to give a giant um, Ultimate Collector's Edition box set. He just reminded me that I have yep. that I that I have to go waste my money on that. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the it's like one of the only movies of theirs in the past twenty years that has the um, that has the kind of marketing clout that you could do it with. Yeah, I mean, apart from the the Harry Potter series, but that's sort of its own beast entirely. Yeah, but like they're not going to remaster the Harry no, Potter. No, 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 no. <laughs> I've got nothing left to add. Yeah, no. Yep, we're. Uh, I think I think we're done. Yep, I hope Show Me gets uh, Attack on Trains and. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's a wrap for now. Thanks to Corey and Ian for dropping by, and of course to Carl for the theme song, which you can purchase as part of his album Packet Flood at ultraclystron.com. You can reach me through Twitter at ZonNCanada or email ZonNCanada at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. If you know anyone who might like this show, please recommend it to them. See you again!